Well, if it's confession time and I ask you to confess, what does your email inbox look like? Okay, that wasn't funny. <laughs> yeah. Some of us are like, ooh, pastor, this is church. Yeah, you know mine, I got a Twitter notification, eBay, Uversion, Nebraska Cornhuskers, Dictionary.com, Lifeway, uh, Southview Baptist Church sent me the bulletin thing for today. Hey, that's nice. Pastor David sent me Sunday school. Now, I've got emails in my inbox. I don't know how many. I'm a little bit behind. There's this idea called Inbox Zero, and it's this rigorous approach to email management uh, initially pioneered by this fellow named Merlin Mann. Some of you probably think he's crazy if you're trying to get your inbox to zero. The rest of you, uh, the rest of you love the idea of this. And so Inbox Zero as an idea for us is not going to be me telling you how to manage your email. Don't worry about that. That's not my forte. I'm not a uh, production manager or, uh, you know, a coach for your business or anything like that. I'm a pastor. But it, for us, is going to be a way to talk about how we take biblical principles and apply them to everything that we deal with in our modern world. And so in these next weeks, we're going to start today with the sermon entitled, Adjusting Priorities. So if you don't already have your bulletin, uh, you've got southviewbaptist.org is our website. From the home page, you can get to the bulletin page or just do backslash bulletin. And on that bulletin page, there's a link to our version with the sermon notes on it. So that's how you can get those, that version page. But our sermon today is entitled Adjusting Priorities. Next week, we'll consider Confronting Distractions. Because even though you may say, here are my priorities, this is how I'm going to live, the values, the principles that are going to guide me, there's always going to be temptations and distractions, and the devil's pretty good at using those to keep us from doing good things and godly things. The third week, on the 16th, we're going to talk about managing money, because even the way we manage our money flows from our priorities, what we believe is important. And as believers in Jesus, that should be centered on and foundation in God's Word. And the fourth and final week, we're going to talk about taming time. And some of us that have kids at school, particularly if your kids are younger or if you are in the education system, uh, with all the accommodations we're going to have to make for COVID-19, think about time as being woo, even scarier. And that'll be on the 23rd, a few weeks after we've started school for most of us. But each one of these follows from the first one. It's about priorities. And if you've been in the business world, you know these ideas of mission, vision, valuables, principles, and sometimes priorities, sometimes interchange, and there's some semantics around them. Stephen Covey said that principles are the territory, values are the maps. Okay, think a bit about that. What does that mean? But for us, we're using this term priorities as synonymous with values, these things that guide us based on what we've decided is important. So if you haven't already opened your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, a short passage of Scripture will be our focal passage today, and that's going to help draw our attention to this idea of biblical priorities. What does Jesus say is most important? And if you're able to, and if you'd like to stand with me in the honor of reading God's Word, would you stand now as we read this 
focal passage, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where uh, a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Thank you. You can be seated. Mary's chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. There's a priority discussion here in our Scripture memory verse of the month. Gets us going that same direction, and we're in a brand new month, and so that Scripture memory verse of the month will change as well. And that is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Some of you may already know that, maybe in a different version. Let's say that together. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew six thirty three, Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, when we enter into this idea of our priorities, and even a catchphrase like inbox zero, we have to confess that we get a little jittery and we get a little worried. What is it that you're going to say to us through this scripture? What's this pastor got in his mind? And how am I going to have to change what I do? God, we have to humbly admit that we're not always right, that we're fallible and we're fallen, and not only in our sinfulness, but the fact that our knowledge and our wisdom is limited. But you are God, and you know all things about all people, having created all of us. And you know our hearts, you know our minds, you know our thoughts, our intentions, And Father, we pray now that you would seek and judge even the deep parts of our minds, that we might become more like Jesus, even the way we think about spending our time and spending our energy. God, focus our hearts and minds now, we pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, to our scripture this morning, you've got a couple initial observations, and that's the way we lead in our sermon outline this morning is with observations, and the first observation is doing for Jesus. That first observation on your outline, and that'll be on your screen now, is doing for Jesus. Look at verse 38 again, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they were going from one place to another. And he had a previously established relationship with Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus. And so, in many times, when he was on his way to Jerusalem, he would stop at their home in Bethany. Last night, between one church member's home and another church in our home, we stopped at someone else's home, and we sat outside in a socially distant way and enjoyed the beautiful evening and visited Isn't that the way it goes? You got somebody you know between it, and hey, I've got a little time. I'm going to stop and visit my friend. At least in the old days it did, and maybe we should do some more of that these days, I would think. 
In any case, Jesus has a relationship with Mary and Martha and Lazarus and goes to their house. He would use their home in Bethany just across the valley from Jerusalem, kind of like his bed and breakfast when he was coming to Jerusalem. And so here he stops to visit. Martha opened her home to him, it says. Skip down to verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Keep in mind, it wasn't just Jesus, but his disciples, those other 12 guys, you know, and then it may have been even a larger band than that. So if you have 12, 13, 20, 30, 40 people show up at your house all of a sudden, you've got a few things you probably need to get done, right? You're probably calling all the neighbors and getting as much water or whatever to drink and asking for food and preparing, and you're very busy. We've got to be sympathetic with Martha. She had work to do. That was her heart. But Martha, verse 40, was distracted by all the preparations. It's not bad to make preparations, and it's not bad to be focused. But this word that Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uses, distracted. Her mind was on those things that were not as important. And she came to Jesus and she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Some of you are Mary's. Some of you are content to sit in the relationship and enjoy the company of someone else. Some of you are Martha's. You can't help yourself. You've got to be doing something. And, 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 and you know, some of us are somewhere in the middle. It depends on the situation. depends on who. And so we're sympathetic with Martha. There was work to be done. It was her household, and these were her guests, and not just any guests, but honored guests. And she wanted to do her best in preparing and being hospitable. And her sister could have helped her. She could have done something. But she wasn't. So there is this thing of doing for Jesus. At church, we do things for Jesus. Emily had such a wonderful gambit. You can tell she's a teacher. The way she invited us all in to participate in her announcement that really became like a lesson. That she had those of us that were just a few called to serve in vocational ministry, but then those of us that serve in other ministries called stand as well. And it was more than half of you that are present. And if you're at home, I don't know, did you stand in front of your couch as well? Maybe you did. Because our church, I know about half of our adults and teenagers serve in at least a once-monthly volunteer role, and it's amazing to have a church that's so active in serving one another. So it's necessary that we do things in the name of Jesus, and it's necessary that we serve one another in the name of Jesus here in our church and at your home and wherever else God calls you to serve for Him in His name. There's nothing wrong with doing for Jesus we're called to. But let's look at your next point, and that's sitting with Jesus. The second point in your outline there is sitting with Jesus, and that's verse 39. Verse 39, and so she had a sister called Mary, it says, who sat at the Lord's feet. Now, this posture was normal in that day and time. A teacher would sit down, 
maybe on some sort of seat or a rock, but the people would sit at the feet of the teacher. This is natural. This is normal. This is somewhat not unlike we're experiencing right now. I'm standing up here on a platform so you can see me easily, but you're sitting and you're listening. We do that in classrooms. We do that in lecture halls. We do that in meetings. We most often sit and listen to the person who's generally standing to present. Jesus, however, is sitting. Mary is sitting at his feet. And what does it say? Listening to what he said. Don't you wish you knew what they were talking about? Was Jesus just lecturing about some sort of truth from the Bible? Maybe Jesus was just telling a story about you wouldn't believe when we were happened down the walking down the road the other day. Mary and Mary's just enjoying his company. Or maybe Jesus is talking to her individually, independently, individually. Mary, what's going on in your life? How can I encourage you? How can I pray for you? What do you need me to teach you? We don't know what they were saying, but she was sitting with Jesus. We need to spend time sitting with Jesus as well. Matter of fact, the whole direction of my sermon here, and you've got the whole outline now since we don't have fill in the blanks, you can see where I'm going, is our priorities and how they're influenced by our time with Jesus. And so I'm using this idea of sitting with Jesus as a metaphor, if you will, for spending time in God's Word, spending time in prayer, that we sit and spend time with Jesus. It's something we're doing, but it's kind of an active passive. We're not moving around doing ministry for Jesus. We're sitting with Jesus, reading Scripture, praying, meditating, writing, thinking about Scripture in order that we might know Jesus better. Let's move to that third point in your outline, that both doing and sitting address our priorities. Both doing and sitting address our priorities, that when we are doing something for Jesus, it demonstrates our priorities. When we are sitting, spent by Jesus, it demonstrates our priorities. And so it shows because we have been shaped by Jesus and because we love Jesus, then we must do something and serve Him and serve others in His name. So they both show our priorities. Doing is about activities and accomplishment and movement, ministry. It's, it's this idea that we talk about here of being otherish. It's God-powered. It's other-focused and it's self-sacrificing. We give, we serve of our time, our talents, and our treasures. But sitting, thinking, praying, meditating, memorizing, being in relationship, it's not passive. It's still active. But not unlike prayer, it somehow, and for some of us more than others, it's more difficult. Because it seems like we're not doing anything. If all I'm doing is reading my Bible, I'm not accomplishing anything we feel like if we're a Martha. But the Marys among us would say, no. The most powerful work you can do is to be in relationship with Jesus. We need to do stuff for Jesus. We are His hands and feet. But we need to spend time sitting with Jesus to become more like Him. Which leads us to your fourth observation here. 
And that's both doing and sitting our worship. Both of them are worship. It's a way we can worship Jesus. When He calls us to serve Him, we're worshiping Him. What does Scripture say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That when we serve God, we're demonstrating our love for Him. But what does Scripture also say? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as one working for the Lord, not for men. Mm. They're both worship. Our application, however, of these points as we've observed these things, and that's the next slide there, is our application is which does Jesus say is most valuable? If you're going to say you've got doing over here and you've got sitting over here, you've got doing things for Jesus or spending time with Jesus, which is more valuable? Well, let's go back to this scripture. We already read it again. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. Jesus says... If you have to choose between doing things for me and spending time with me, the most important thing you can do is spend time with me. What? Pastor, I thought in our church you'd tell us you need to do more stuff. Well, we do need you to serve, and you all do serve. We do need you to give, and you all do give. We're a blessed church. But the thing that Jesus says in this Scripture that is most important that should be our number one priority, is spending time with Him. And He said of Mary, it will not be taken away from her. Your next question there, by means of application, asks, how do we exercise our priorities? Is we bring this lesson home and make it a little more personal, and we're talking about we or our, us as a collective, how do we exercise our priorities? Well, we probably do some of both, right? You do things for Jesus, but you also spend time with Jesus. You apply it to your home. You do things for your family, but you also spend time with your family. You apply it to your uh, fellow workers. You do things for your company, but you also spend time with people you work with. These priorities, there's a balance there. It's not a trick question. But here's where we need to take it further. How do we exercise our priorities? Well, what about your actual priorities of what you actually do, where you actually spend your time and energy, versus what you say you'll do, what you think is important, your aspirational priorities? Sometimes our exercise is in taking time to sit with Jesus, just like Mary did. Your next question asks, where do we learn our priorities? As we continue to apply this idea of priorities and adjusting our priorities to be more like those that we see in Scriptures, where do we learn them? I think the first place all of us learn our priorities is from our families, right? That's where we begin. But then, depending on how early it was, you encountered the Bible and 
teaching from Scripture and were brought to church and you sat with Sunday school teachers um, or even in the preschool and the nursery and child care with folks that demonstrated Jesus' love to you, you see those priorities differently. Then you begin to get, develop a friend group. But then there's media in your life that influences your priority. You may not watch the news when you're a little kid, but you certainly are encountering movies and cartoons and games that shape your priorities. As you get older, you learn more about views of the world based on things you're studying in school. You watch more things on TV. You read more things yourself. And then now there's social media and how it shapes priorities. You have to wonder if some of the things that are happening in 2020 wouldn't be quite so bad if it wasn't for social media. Anybody else? I sure feel like they wouldn't be. But all these things help us to learn or shape our priorities, our experiences, our culture, those around us who build into us. Doing and sitting, those observations, active or being with Jesus are both needed and both worship. But we consider the application that it's actually spending time with Jesus that is the greater need. That's where our priorities are learned. First is in God's Word. So let's move to a conclusion. As we move to conclusion in our sermon today, is there a way for us to give up our formulaic faith, I do this, I do this, I do this because I'm supposed to, and experiencing a real relationship with Jesus that is living and active? Well, Your first principle there is that Jesus desires a personal love relationship with me. Now, that's not me that said that. That's Henry Blackaby experiencing God. Go back 30 years, right? Jesus desires a love relationship with you that is real and personal. Think about what Scripture says. God so loved you that He gave His one and only Son. Think about the fact that if you've never trusted Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord, you can right now. If you're here, we're going to have a gospel invitation. You can come down and talk to me. If you're not here, email me, Aaron at SouthviewBaptist.org. We need to talk about how God loves you and He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for you. But your next point there is that I grow in Jesus through the Bible. If I want my relationship with Jesus to grow... Yes, I can do things for Him, but the most important thing, the most needful thing that will not be taken away is to spend time with Jesus. And how can you and I in 2020, modern day America, spend time with Jesus? Right here in His Word. Reading the Bible. Asking Him to shape you through what you see in His Word. Back to the Bible did a study with their Center for Bible Engagement 10 years ago now about what keeps people from engaging the Bible. The number one answer far and away was I'm too busy. Number two is I keep falling into the same habitual sin. Number three is I don't understand the Bible. Number four is I'm frightened about the future. I mean, I don't know what the Bible is going to say. But we think about this biggest one that I'm too busy and um, Arnie Cole from Back to the Bible and Michael Ross wrote this book, Unstuck, and Silvana gave it to me as a gift. And they give these reasons why some of us as believers don't read or engage our Bible. Answering, I'm too busy, I don't have enough time. 
Did you know the average American spends one hour eating and drinking? That's on average. Some of you spend more, some of you spend less in a 24-hour day, right? That we spend 8.8 hours working. That includes emails, web surfing, texting, messaging, phone calls during our work hours, and then sometimes after work. We spend 1.3 hours in caring for others, generally our children, but others. One hour in household activities, cooking, cleaning, things like that. 1.7 hours of other activities, including personal time spent online, texting, messaging, phone calls. Depending on your age, that might be higher or lower. These are averages. 2.6 hours in leisure activities, including TV, and 7.6 hours sleeping. But if you add all those up, it comes right out to 24 hours. We have time. It's a matter of how we spend it, which leads to your final question. What priorities do I need to adjust? If my actual priorities are how I really spend my time, and I'm saying I don't have time to engage God's Word to change my priorities and make them more like Jesus, what things do I need to stop doing or do less of in order that I can start spending more time in God's Word? Because if my priorities are going to change, and if my heart's desire is to be more like Jesus, I've got to spend more time right here, reading it, hearing it, meditating it, memorizing it, engaging in Scripture. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we're so very thankful for your word that challenges us day in, day out, every time we come to you, to consider how we ought to live. And this idea today, a simple idea of adjusting our priorities, flows straight from that foundational point of spending time with Jesus. And the easiest way and most effective way for us to spend time with Jesus is through the Bible So, Father, as we come to that final question of what priorities we need to adjust, would we in our mind already have decided something we need to stop doing, especially if that's a sin, a habitual sin, that we need to confess and repent? Something that we need to do less of, an activity that, though it may not necessarily be sinful, it does distract us and keep us from spending time in the Bible. Something that we need to do a little more of, get to bed on time so we can get up a little earlier in order that we might spend time in the Bible. Whatever it is, God, would we obey you as you call us to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.